Well, good morning. We are back doing our podcast. Um, good morning. We did this about three weeks ago. Felt like we we're in the depths of winter three yep. weeks ago. Uh, and now we're sitting in the sun shining uh, and it's beautiful weather. So um, a lot's happened in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, well, this morning we're going to reflect a little bit on what Paul Joel shared yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was great to have um, someone else um, speak on Sunday morning yeah. uh, just because it meant uh, we can have a bit of a break. Um, and um, he talked about um, thinking through hearts that shine and referencing kind of God's glory, which we're going to reflect on mm-hmm. uh, a little bit this morning. Um, but it's good to be back. We So just from our point of view, we've had a good holiday. Um, so ended up in Scotland, yeah. uh, traveling around uh, the locks and seas uh, and uh, really enjoyed ourselves. Um, and our first proper experience of wild camping, yeah. um, which we've never done before. It's quite a challenge with three boys, but was the um, the highlight, I think, of our yeah, holiday. So wild camping is just rocking up somewhere without... No campsite. campsite. Um, which was kind of when we first got our van. If you don't know, we've got a little camper van. And that was my kind of dream to mm. wake up beside a lock, um, wild camped. Um, kids having to go off and dig in the woods um, to go to the toilet. <laughs> um, so it was quite a, an We experience. have very different dreams to other people. We I do think. have very different <laughs> dreams. Uh, and despite, and um, we did go back safely, despite literally the wheels of our van nearly coming off yep. uh, on the way home, I had to call the AA out because having had the tyres replaced, uh, seemingly the person who replaced the tyre didn't tighten the wheel nuts up yeah. <laughs> quite as much. So thankfully they didn't come off, but um, that was quite an adventure. And we were really back. grateful they didn't come off earlier in the holiday yeah. when it really could have put <laughs> a dampener on our whole experience. Um because it was a really blessed time mm. away for our family and we felt like we got some serious well-needed rest. Mm. And Eden, we're going to talk about what Paul shared, but uh, I think when we talk about seeing God's glory, mm. um, there's elements to the rugged nature and wilderness that I think you know help us in some way see something of God's glory. And I think we'll yeah. share uh, a little bit about that. Um, but we're back um, yep. and uh, things continue to move on. Uh, I guess... You know, we'll see where the future takes us in the next few weeks and months. Mm. Um, but when we're so, let's let's talk about um, something about what Paul um, shared, um, and that's kind of glory and majesty. Uh, so mm-hmm. Paul chose. And now, when you say Paul sharing, this is slightly complicated because oh, yeah, you're talking Joel. about a Pauline text, <laughs> and and Paul preaching on it so when you uh, say paul shares say paul i think we are specifically joel. saying paul joel yeah I think shared we say, paul's words well, we'll, we'll just say paul joel <laughs> let's keep it um keep it simple um thinking about this glory uh, and yeah. i think we we kind of recognized um how we reference glory and uh, and how we might use the word majesty i think mm. you'd kind of thought a little bit about that well i mean this really it came out to me this this majesty probably has stuck out much more than it otherwise would have um, if it wasn't for you texting me right before the service saying you'd never guess what hymn we're going to be singing today. And I instantly wrote back, no, we're not. Is it? Is it majesty? And it was majesty. Now, the reason um, this was kind of humorous is because one of the campsites that we rocked up at during our time in Scotland just happened to have an entire Pentecostal church um kind of at that campsite having having kind of permanent back-to-back church services so it was kind of a, a busman's holiday I think <laughs> for Martin um, and one of the songs they played continually throughout this time was was Majesty which I hadn't heard very much since kind of mid-90s and then to hear it multiple times was interesting especially when it was side by side with extreme drum and bass <laughs> 
<laughs> so we had some an eclectic um, music going on there. So, you know, re- regularly after that, you know, Majesty had kind of been in our heads. And then despite the fact we very seldom ever sing it in church, it was it was there this week. Um, so that was that was interesting. So that already had Majesty as a song kind of um, at the forefront of our, our minds, I think. Um, and then I was thinking, I find the word majesty quite interesting because um, I don't know how much you know about the kind of kings and queens of England, but... It's not my forte. It's I not know your it's yours, forte. Um, but it really is not. Um, but I know that, and some of you might know this, Henry VIII was the first British monarch to be styled majesty. This was not a traditional... This has not traditionally been what we've called our monarch, so now we refer to the Queen as Her Majesty. Um, but traditionally, Highness was kind of as it, as good as it got. Um, the word Majesty goes back to the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and kind of in how they'd refer um, to their emperors. And then it was, wasn't was used really until the Holy Roman Empire with Charles V. And he felt that since he'd become not just the King of France, but the, the emperor of the whole of the Holy Roman Empire, he needed something a bit more befitting. And so he didn't want to just use highness, he wanted to use majesty. Um, so he became, you know, his royal majesty. And I find that interesting when you then come to use use this in kind of our Christian terms, mm. because you carry baggage of that. You may... It may be perfectly accurate to call, to refer to God as majesty. But in the same way that sometimes we, there's other things we've put to one side because they're no longer helpful. For example, we don't tend to sing onward Christian soldiers because we're moving away from a rhetoric of war. I think when it comes to things like majesty in a world that is power hungry, maybe where, well, is that kind of how we really connect to God and so I'm I was just kind of interested to think while we're talking about the subject of God's glory that the songs we chose were all about kingship Mm. does God's glory necessarily relate to God's kingship so what do you think it's um, interesting wasn't it and I, I guess majesty I mean it is a biblical word in the sense that it's you know, it is translated in the Bible, isn't it? You know, so we have the word majesty. I'm not sure if it. It's always it's always tricky because it's always how we. So how we so you know we probably should have um, thought this through uh, a little bit more, but um so it is so it's translated majesty, but I don't I haven't got time to think. So about the word glory sometimes has a connotation of majesty, but yeah. it has because it's an abstract, not you know it's not a kind of concrete word. Yeah. Okay. Um, it has a lot of words to use to describe it, such as. Um, magnificence, beauty, majesty, renown. Yeah. But it, we don't have a literal, a kind of a very accepted. This word means this. Yeah, and so I, I guess you have to look at the old and the new, don't you? So mm. we sort of had the Old Testament, where kind of the idea of you know wanting kingship and mm. wanting a ruler, and then we have how Jesus came about uh, and dealt with things in a very different way, uh, and really blew that kind of understanding a part but in terms of the word majesty that we relate to it mm. i'm i'm slightly concerned that actually no that was more of a roman yeah, understanding okay. of that yeah. word so it wouldn't necessarily have been there in jewish society for example um the word most used 
to um, talk about glory, the word that we translate now as glory, the glory of God, is kavod. Now, again, not Hebrew scholar, so if I've mispronounced that, apologies. And if I've just lost the whole sense of this, apologies. But the word kavod, which is usually used in terms of the word glory, means the best understanding of what it means is heaviness. Mm, And that's associated with the heaviness of battle armor. Mm. But it's also related, although this word came slightly later, is Shekinah, which came from Shekan, which is a kind of a sense of dwelling. So that it's it's kind of, there's a presence, there's a mm. heaviness, there's a weight of God. The weight of God is on us. The heaviness of God is and on it, us. Is the issue though, we've kind of humanized that word in how we rule, you know, so how kings and queens mm. and you know, kind of dictators have taken on that kind of that role that's ended up kind of skewing it a little bit uh, in how we understand this. I think also, though, it's not just that we have taken it on for dictators. I sometimes think we like to think we have a God who is kingly mm. and powerful and in royal robes. Mm. I think, you know, if you were a kind of Trump kind of a character... You want to be on the side of the big guns. You want to be on the side of the people wearing the right stuff with all of the, you know, the gold and the shiny stuff. And I think I'm Which not is very always, empire. It's isn't very it? empire. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, is glory actually connected to kingliness? Mm. We have in our world connected it with kingliness. If we talk about the queen's glory. It's, yeah. you know, it's her, her pomp and state. But I think when we come back, to, certainly, if you think of the, the humility of Christ, the humble baby that was born, you know, soiling its nappies and, you know, the man who washed his friend's feet and mm. who talked to lepers and women of disrepute, we're not seeing somebody of the kind of glory that is majesty, that is mm. pomp. But what we are seeing it's the glory that is presence, that is weightiness, that is heaviness, mm. that is dwelling. Um, and actually, when when Paul spoke, when Paul Joel spoke this Sunday, when he he talked about um, uh, both him and Fiona sitting together and and reflecting on God's glory and the things that they could see as God's glory mm. out the window, they reflected on what they could see on the fields and the sun. And um, and again, if you you can see these as well, these are beautiful things. Mm. These are, you know, glorious things. And you can see God in them. They're also quite humble things. Mm. So I just, I wonder whether the glory of God is is not necessarily just to be found in the pomp. Mm. In, in that kind of that other, just extreme otherness. But actually, the glory of God is a very a much more real and meaty thing it's a weighty thing um, so so if we so if we say we kind of want to lose some of the imperialistic nature of the word mm. and kind of the tribalism of it uh, and we want to come to the heart of kind of thinking about god's glory and reign i guess because yeah. there's a rain god reigns over the world and there's that yeah, sense of uh, but again, over things. We're using kingly words again. There yeah. is a reign, but there is also a dwell. Yeah, and there's okay. something so humble in how I've seen God. When you, when you kind of, you get away from the way you're used to seeing him yeah. and the language that you're used to t- talking about him in, often which is actually 
it comes from our hymns and our songs, not from our not from our Bible. Mm. Some things do, but typically God was against kings mm. in the Bible. Um he was a he was for serving. Mm. So I just wonder whether this is more we assume we must treat him like a king. And and so when just it was just interesting to me when mm. Paul was talking, he didn't seem to talk so much about God as a um as a great king of glory in you know in mm. robes of gold but more as a there was more of that kind of humble weighty glory i felt that came through on his sermon it's it's an interesting one isn't it because there's that there is a lot of kind of reference in rhetoric in scripture as well about mm. you know kind of tribe you know it was about israel surviving and being better than everybody else and them being god's chosen nation yeah. and them being the ones who had you know god on their side yeah uh, and they were the ones who were um <coughs> who were ruling and 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 taking charge um and then obviously you had the battles and the exiles and the mm -hmm. uh and then the humiliation of being under roman rule yeah. and then rome takes on that you know similar you know overarching they're the ones in charge and then i think you have jesus coming totally changing the culture and the status and getting pretty you know short shift because of it i yeah. mean he was not you know popular because of what he was saying then you have the early church kind of finding its feet and then you have rome taking over and it all comes back again so i wonder did is it fair to say the church missed an opportunity by engaging with the roman empire again and mm -hmm. becoming the church yeah. of the roman empire and we somehow yeah, and we believe God's grace works within all these things, but mm. did it just end up getting diverted back again towards this idea of imperialistic power and control when it should have mm. stayed at its <coughs> where the early church began, you know, in the kitchens of you know households yeah. uh, rather than in the institutions of you know nations, you know, very powerful and rich nations, which have ended up over the years using it for its own benefit. I, I think absolutely and there's that phrase that history is always written by the victors yeah. so you know Israel was in charge of writing its history mm. we believe it's you know God's spoken his word through that mm. but these are written by people who see things from a certain way mm. then it's interesting because when you come to the early church these weren't victors who wrote this these mm. were simple men and possibly women um writing this in in a way of just trying to get some sense and make an account as quick you know just get that account mm. down during their lifetime and then later it was assessed and put together by another you know group of of people who who loved who loved god and and you know mm. who were passionate about jesus but then after that it goes back into the hands of people mm. of power after that it goes into so i kind of feel like my trust on the scriptures of the early church and the gospels it's well i don't see that they had a huge vested interest in that i i feel i can read it with not believing that they are they're overly biased mm. um but then when you then once the established church got mm. hold of it we are talking about empires mm. we're talking about people with power so it's interesting that just to go back to the term majesty used in the empire then used in the holy roman empire um can't remember the exact dates of that. So, but you know, when middle of Europe were kind of France, you could be Germany, now. I'd were no idea. taking <laughs> taking power, and um, and then obviously 
let's look at Henry VIII. Mm. Seriously power hungry mm. and co- took control of the church mm. in a big way, not for anybody else's good, although there may have been good that came about it, but it was a horrendous time mm. and horrendous things were do- done, unspeakable things were done in the name of Jesus, mm. all with a person who's calling himself majesty. And mm. to me, I kind of see a real parallel between somebody like Donald Trump and um, King Henry. Just mm. thankfully, he didn't, Trump didn't have quite as much sway as perhaps um, Henry VIII had. But, you know, a pretty terrible man mm. who was then now, the you know, at that point, the mm. head of the church. Mm. What's he going to do? He's going to do it for his own good. And these are the people who have kind of written our church history mm. one way or another, or they've been in charge of the people who've written our church history. So I think it does us well to be critical of our church history, mm. to think, why do we believe these things? Why do we take these terms? Why are we so pleased to talk about, you know, our faith as a battle and, um, you know, and, and being victorious and conquering? It's because deep down, humans like to be in power and they like to be on the right side with the strong dude at the top. Mm. That comforts us. But if we look back to the Gospels, we see very little of that victorious, mighty, strong dude in Jesus. Mm. What we do see is a very humble person who, despite at times through his miracles, being able to call attention to himself and quite easily could have become a notable um, charismatic, majestic figure. Like, let's face it, that yeah. wouldn't, that's not, that wouldn't have been hard. What was he doing? He wasn't saying, you know, yes, call me majesty. He was saying, don't talk about this to anybody mm. because he didn't want that to happen. So when and I look at my, my modern faith, I'm thinking, well, what, what do I learn of God through Jesus? Not mm. what do I learn of God through church history? And also where Jesus saw beauty and glory, mm. you know, and in the, way that he engaged with the lowest in society, yeah. the way that he engaged with the um, woman at the temple giving what she could, yep. you know, and seeing real beauty and uh, kind of presence there. Uh, and then, the, you know, we've referenced a little bit about, you know, the parable of the lost sheep, another, you yeah. know, the prodigal son, where actually God says, imagine that you're, you know, you've got sheep and one goes astray. What do you do? You go and you sweat the night out and you go and find it mm. and that's not a that's not a kingly role that jesus is asking us to put ourselves in or that put him in that's a very human gritty you know role um so i think there's a huge disconnect between how jesus engaged with the world mm. and kind of old testament and also um our church yeah. history um and i think it's if you're able to step back and see some of those those kind of stark, I think you can probably see where we've gone a bit wrong. Because just to go back to the prodigal son, which we've we've thought about quite a lot mm. this you know last couple of months, that's the glory of God. There's this old man of good circumstances racing towards mm. this smelly urchin of a child to embrace him. And particularly in the Rembrandt picture, we see the old man with his hands around the the shaven-headed son, who is a is skinny waif by this point. And I'm thinking of the 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 understanding of um, 
of the Hebrew word of glory being weight. And you see、mm. the weight of the old man's hands pressed、mm. against the neck of the son. And for me, I, I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really. I'm a bit nervous about talking about the glory of God because I don't want to speak of it in vain.、Mm. It's too, there's something too precious, too beautiful, too extraordinary. But I think we've also got it wrong.、Mm. Um, but it's beautiful. And I think maybe that also comes back a little bit to the Aslan. We've talked about Aslan quite a bit.、Yeah. Um, you know, he's not safe, but he's good and he, he's beautiful, he's wonderful.、Um, so that weight, that weight, that beautiful weight. Of God wanting to dwell with us.、Mm. Um, and I guess so that's so if we want to move away from some of this kind of earthly rule connotations that majesty brings up,、mm. how do we, and, and this is kind of what Paul was, Paul Joel uh, was uh,、mm. referencing, seeing God's glory around us. And hymn writers and, and worship sites, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying、yeah. to bring together. Something in human words、mm-hmm. expressing something of God's glory、uh, within the culture of the day, and that's why you、yep. know, we, we sing some hy- hymns, you know, just Onward Christian Soldier, and that, com- that comes from a very specific、yeah. you know, cultural understanding of what Christians should、and、be doing. And yet, that can just stir in somebody's heart this feeling of, you know, particularly, I, I think, I don't know which war it was written in, but I think it was written out of one of the wars. and... That sense that yes, we are on、mm. the fight for good with Christ Jesus, and that feels like a very good and honorable、mm. thing to sing. We're moving to a place where actually maybe that a lot of people have issues with that.、Mm. I can understand that, but we're always reinterpreting what is now our culture. So, then, how, how do we help ourselves see something in God's glory around、yeah. us? And I guess that's the Monday morning challenge, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we can kind of, you know. Kind of wrestle with and, un- and try and understand why we've got to this situation. But the challenge is on my average day on a sunny morning in June, how do I experience or put myself in a position where I'll see something and understand it as God's glory? I, I think partly I'd want to say that's maybe by giving up some of the false understandings of yeah, God's、okay. glory. If you always expect something of God that is not Him. That can become a blockage in the way of you actually seeing him how he is.、Mm. So I think I've had a blockage in seeing God's glory because I've been trying to look for this manifestation of exquisite power. So Henry VIII, you've been looking for Henry VIII. You、VIII. know what? To, <laughs> I know that's a joke, but yes, actually, I've been looking for this kind of supreme, glorious, shiny, bejeweled <laughs> thing. And. And not finding it. Well, why am I not finding it? Because if we look to Jesus, that's not who、mm. God has chosen to reveal himself. Don't get me wrong, there may be aspects of God's、yeah. character, and there are in, in Revelation and other places,、mm. uh, in Daniel, because, terms because of describing term, God like that. Yeah, because the term has it at its roots something of. Splendor. Yeah, splendor and above us, above,、yeah. you know, kind of human influence and. You know, and sense of an overarching you know, role. But <clears throat> I, think, I think we kind of intermix because we find it so hard to understand who God is.、Mm-hmm. You know, you're right, we have that image of a king. You know, and scripture helps us to have that image of a king and, you know, because it's,、mm-hmm. over the time it's been generated. But how do we have a broader understanding of God 
without some of the kind of because generally we've our understandings of kings if we've read any history it's not always it's not often that great they're they're not generally speaking a brilliant lot well you go through the old testament it's kind of good king yeah and just even in british history (laughs) it's you know they've they've they're quite an egotistical crew um so how how do we leave that well i think first of all and this is really hard because i think I think much of the established church throughout church history and or just the establishment itself works by making people feel bad about themselves because mm. people who feel bad about themselves are much easier to control than people who feel empowered. Mm. So that's had an effect on our faith. And I think that's one of the reasons most of us assume God is high and mighty, is better than us and doesn't really want to be around us, but is just suffering us anyway. And uh, I will, f- I think, for the rest of my life on earth, have to work against that feeling. Mm. I don't believe that's true, but there's still that little voice yeah. or, or just way of being that I assume God doesn't want to be around me that much. Um, and I, that's not true. That's not true. Mm. So if we switch that around, if we switch that God's God glorious is wanting to be around us, and if we go to that understanding of that Hebrew word meaning presence, mm. heaviness, weight, dwelling so it's him wanting to you know like battle armor or like a heavy cloak Mm. being wrapped around us that heavy that heaviness of god making us feel safe Mm. and enveloping us and taking our concentration from other things i wonder if we start to reflect on glory in that Mm. way um in that otherness but the beauty of the otherness that wants to connect that's not an otherness that wants to stay apart from us like you know some things are you'll never connect with them but this otherness Mm. and I wonder whether because one of the places I feel absolutely closest to God is Scotland Mm. um and I wonder whether partly that is the rawness of the landscape it's raw it's rugged it's beautiful it's untamed Mm. it's so many things we associate with God but you're experiencing it the whole time. You're dipping your feet into the, you know, the huge freezing cold waves. You know, you're walking along the sandy beach. Mm. You're picking up the rocks that have, you know, crashed against each other for thousands of years. You see the heather. You look at the mountains. You're experiencing it all the time. And it is glorious. Mm. And I think God in his glory wants to be experienced. Yeah, that's a um, yeah, interesting, interesting, and I think, uh, and that's that's I think that's a very great way of experiencing God in nature. But not everyone connects in that way, mm. you know. So how, uh, and I think, and and maybe it's looking at how Jesus put himself around different. And I think, yeah, there's some people that you can be around. Uh, you know, some people who are all pretentious and, mm. you know, way over the top. There's some other people that you see something of humility and grace in them um, that is God expressing his glory through those people. Yeah. You know, I think there's relationships that we can have that demonstrate something of that yeah. God's glory um, yeah. within it. Uh, and then I guess ultimately it's coming to realize in our own heart that we're loved and cherished by God and loved and cherished by God, and that's mm-hmm. what it is because He loves us. Because He loves us, yeah. Um, and if we free ourselves from some of that baggage, we we can kind of experience that love and that glory in a freeing way, rather yeah. than in a, a dictatorial way or a 
imposing way. Um, I think that's it. I think, you know, I think typically God reveals himself through his creation hmm. because that's, he created it. So it's got his, his you know, his prints all over it. Hmm. Um, but there's different ways of experiencing his creation. There is nature and hmm. that, it's not wonder that we feel God in nature because he made it. Hmm. Um, but he made us. Hmm. So we feel God in in ourselves, in our own bodies, in our own souls, in our own desires, I think we can see God's glory. Um, I think we can see God in other people. And then there's times when you spend, you know, some people might like quiet time and they might be able to experience God, not so much out in the world, but in their own quiet times, mm. in their own prayer times. Some people might experience God's glory in his word, in the word that he's given mm. us. Um, and at all times, in all these things, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to be with us and to point us, what is us? What is God? Um, you know, so that we can feel a knowledge and a conviction of what we're experiencing. Mm. Well, that's been really helpful. Uh, hopefully people have found it helpful. Uh, thank you, um, uh, Paul Joel, for preaching. Yep. It's been really um, positive. And we're going to start another little series, aren't we? Uh-huh. Um, so I need to get our words right because... Uh, sometimes we we put these questions out and then keep changing the words um but we're going to think about why do we believe what we believe is the kind of uh is uh, is the title why mm-hmm. do we believe something um so re- so kind of the idea is how exper- kind of exploring uh, understanding culturally why we believe what we believe mm-hmm. understanding from our understanding of scripture from experience from tradition uh, and really kind of just pressing into that a little bit and thinking mm. why why do we believe that and i guess the kind of the underlying kind of element to it is that maybe we need to question why we believe what we believe mm. uh, and maybe question why we do something so this sunday i'm going to thinking um why do why do we believe what we believe about church yeah uh, so thinking through our understanding of church why we think about church in a certain way uh, and thinking about what scripture talks about um, the gathered church, uh, and then thinking about how we might be, how we might need to rethink our understanding mm-hmm. of church. So it's quite a practical series. Yeah. It's quite a uh, a kind of wanting to explore and journey together. So, but with a bit quite, of academic content as well, I think. For sure. Yeah, I think so. Reference it, and then really grounding it to the thinking through what Scripture says, yeah. because it's the same thing. Why do we believe what we believe about church? Well, maybe we need to come to understand that we believe what we believe about church because, partly because of the Roman Empire yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Catholic Church and the Church of England, which even we've talked about in this last half an hour, is mm. maybe that wasn't the way that it was supposed to go. Uh, and, you know, there's loads of, you know, you go back to Acts 2 and everyone's saying you need to be an Acts 2 church. and kind of, So, but it's thinking a little bit about that. I know um, at college they talked about it, what glasses you were wearing. Yeah. That everybody comes in with a different set of glasses. Some of us yeah. are wearing 3D glasses. Some of us mm. are wearing the little prismy glasses. Some of us are wearing um, bright purple glasses. We don't, and we don't usually know that we're wearing those glasses. Mm. So when we look at the Bible or look at anything else about our faith, we think we see this unadulterated version. Mm. We don't, we see it through those lenses. And so it's just good to look at, well, mm. what what lenses might we be wearing mm. and what what is this actually saying why do we believe Mm. that um so you're going to be looking at church in the week after i'm going to be looking at um why to believe what we believe about the bible yeah there we go so that's going to be um where we're starting so thank you for listening uh god bless you this very sunny day thank you very much bye-bye